0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag.
1: The Spirit of God will not strive with men forever. There does come a point where God says, okay. We see it very graphically in Romans chapter 1, where we're told that God says, okay, it looks like your mind's made up, your heart is hardened, your fate is sealed, I'm just going to give you over to that which you've chosen. I'm not going to force myself on you. I'm not going to continue fighting with you. You continue to reject me.
0: Salvation is available for everyone right now, this moment. But Pastor J.D. wants to warn you today that there will come a time when it will not be available any longer. We don't know when that will be. You could take your last breath tomorrow and it would be too late. So don't delay. Give your heart to Jesus now. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor JD in the book of Jeremiah chapter 8 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I'm at a pastor's conference and you've got to
1: know that at these pastors' conferences, all of the pastors, and I, I'm just as guilty as the next guy, they're comparing the size of their church with the other guys' churches. And here's what that sounds like at a pastors' conference. Hey, bro, how many are running on a Sunday? How many am I running? Is it? Are we herding cattle, or are we feeding sheep? What if I told you, yeah, we got a you know a small fellowship of about 50, 75 people? Oh, hey, we'll do lunch sometime. Go to the next guy. We want to talk to the guy that's got more numbers. Why? Because we see them as being more blessed than the guy that doesn't have as many numbers. Do you know that it's the opposite that's true? Last time I checked, Jesus was very clear when he said that wide is the gate and many will go, but narrow is the gate and few will go. I think we're in for a shock, not that we're going to be shocked in glory, but if it were possible, I think we would just be flabbergasted when we're in glory to see (laughs) Who has the most reward? It's not the ones we think. Who has the most crowns? not the ones that we think. Yeah, one more thing on this. The danger, and it's so dangerous, because you start fancying your numbers as being a sign of God's blessing, and then you take license. That's where we get the word licentiousness. And you do so under the banner of, well, we look at how many people are still coming. And then it goes to that pastor's head. And they start thinking it's them. Again, please, I hope I don't come off as being above this. I am fully capable of this. You know, but God has been so faithful over the years. Having a wife like mine helps too, by the way. just the Lord reminding me that it's not me. I think it's something that Oswald Chambers once said. It's always stuck with me. It's so powerful. It basically goes like this. Oftentimes God will deem it necessary to protect you from you by not letting you know how much he's using you. Because if you knew how much He was using you, you would start thinking it's you. And if you start thinking it's you, you can start the... <laughs> I know this is outdated. I guess you can just do it on your phones now. There's an app for that. But you could just start the, the watch. It's just a matter of time. Because if you think it's you, then you're going to be full of you and full of pride. And pride always comes before the fall. Well, let's move on. Thank you for just your grace in hearing me out. Were they ashamed, verse 12, when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. Nor did they know how to blush. (laughs) Not only did they not blush, they didn't know how to blush anymore. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall, In the time of their punishment they shall be cast down, says the Lord. I will surely consume them, says the Lord. No grapes shall be on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree, and the leaf shall fade, and notice this, the things I have given them shall pass away from them. Oh yeah, that's right. It was the Lord who gave that to me in the first place. Maybe I forgot that. Hmm. So this is speaking to the coming Babylonian invasion in which all that God had given to them would be taken from them. And again, I started off this way. It's so important to see the rest of this chapter through the lens of Jeremiah having been shown this. This is what's known as the burden of the Lord. Could you imagine how weighty this was? How burdensome this was? How hard this was? His heart was so heavy with this. And he's got to tell them that this is what's going to happen. And then to add insult to injury, None of them are going to respond. In fact, when we get later on in the book, they're going to try to kill him for this. That's their response. Now verse 14 and 15 is interesting. Why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves, and let us enter the fortified cities, and let us be silent there, for the Lord our God has put us to silence, and given us water of gall to drink, because we have sinned against the Lord. We looked for peace, but no good came, and for a time of health, and there was trouble. Wait, what? What? Did they come to their senses? No. Are they repenting here? No. Too late. This is what's sad. By the time they finally realize what they brought upon themselves is too late. Again, this is the sorrow of your sin finding you out. We have sinned against the Lord. Your sin has found you out. You can be sure that your sin will find you out. And then when, not if, when it does, it's going to be too late. Let me say it like this, for lack of a better way of saying it. There is such a thing as too late when it comes to repentance. We're told in the book of Genesis, I want to say chapter 6, I could be wrong that the Spirit of God will not strive with men forever. There does come a point where God says, okay. We see it very graphically in Romans chapter 1, where we're told that God says, okay, it looks like your mind's made up, your heart is hardened, your fate is sealed. I'm just going to give you over to that which you've chosen. I'm not going to force myself on you. I'm not going to continue fighting with you you continue to reject me. And then when it hits you and you realize it, too late. The snorting, verse 16, of his horses were heard from Dan. The whole land trembled at the sound of the neighing of his strong ones, for they have come and devoured the land and all that is in it. The city and those who dwell in it. For behold, verse 17, this is interesting, I will send serpents among you, vipers which cannot be charmed, and they shall bite you, says the Lord. Listen, i, I got to say, <laughs> if God gave me this sermon to preach, I think I'd call in sick that day and have... <laughs> lay to her, Mac, fill in for me. This is the sermon he preached. This is the prophecy he prophesied. I mean, again, I. you'll forgive me for repeating it, but it is so important. Picture Jeremiah there at the gates, at the entrance of the temple, and the throngs of people, and he's telling them this vipers which cannot be charmed? And God's going to send these serpents among you? Oh, we've seen God do that before. Ask Moses and Aaron and the Israelites. And they're going to bite you, says the Lord. So, interesting imagery, right? This image of vipers... Well, it carries with it the idea that they were deceived and believed, because that's what they were told, that peace and charm could somehow deliver them from the Babylonians. And God, through the prophet Jeremiah, is saying, no, you're not going to be able to charm your way out of this one. You're not going to be able to negotiate yourself with a peace agreement out of this one. No, they're going to devour you. They're going to bite you. You cannot charm them. It's going to happen. Verse 18, how are you doing? You okay? We're almost (laughs) done. This is why I'm so grateful that you keep coming back. This is Jeremiah now, verse 18. We kind of turn a corner here. Listen to his heart. I would comfort myself in sorrow my heart is faint in me listen the voice the cry of the daughter of my people from a far country is not the lord in Zion is not her king in her question mark god's response to jeremiah's cry of desperation In his bewilderment concerning his people is this. Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images with foreign idols? This is one of those places where you answer a question rightly so with a question. So Jeremiah is heartbroken and full of sorrow. His heart is just broken and faint. And he's asking, he's crying out to the Lord and asking the Lord, Lord, why? And the answer is, well, I'm asking you, why? Why have they provoked me to anger? They've brought this upon themselves. Verse 20 The harvest is past, the summer is ended and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? This is Jeremiah crying out, brokenhearted, weeping. Don't rush past verse 21 where he just exclaims, astonishment has taken hold of me. I don't think that even begins to describe how he's feeling. He's bewildered. He's stunned. He's astonished. He cannot get his mind around this. I think of David. I want to talk about David here in just a moment. But I think about David in the Psalms. I want to say it might be Psalm 6. I could be wrong again. Where he basically says, I just can't stop crying. I mean, I have soaked my bedding with my tears. I cry all night. I cannot get a grip. (laughs) I just can't stop crying. I know this is the end of the chapter, but if you don't mind, I want to borrow verse 1 of chapter 9. Listen to what he says. Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. That's why he's the weeping prophet. He's weeping for his people. And he's in very good company, by the way. He's in good company with the likes of King David. The Apostle Paul, who we're told in Acts 20, wept He said, for three years, (laughs) I wept day and night for you because I knew what was going to happen after I left. That there would be those from within your midst that would come in, wolves in sheep's clothing, and they would not spare the flock. And it just broke my heart, and I wept. Paul was a crier, by the way. He wept for his people. But more importantly than a King David or an Apostle Paul and the many like them is the Savior himself. This might, um, I hope it doesn't, I don't think it will, but it might come as a surprise. You know, Jesus cried a lot, right? You know that? In fact, he wept so much that they actually thought he was Jeremiah. It's in Matthew 15, or 16. Let me begin reading in verse 13. And for those of you that have gone to Israel or been to Israel with us, we went to this place, a very demonic place, very satanic place, the gates of Hades in Caesarea Philippi. And we're told when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Wait, why would they think that Jesus was Jeremiah? because he wept. He wept. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And, oh, Peter, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Here's the takeaway Jeremiah wept for his people. Jesus wept bitterly, so much so that they thought he was actually Jeremiah. I wonder do we weep? For this nation? Do we weep for people who we see when we're out and about? Because we, like Jeremiah, know what's coming. And you'll forgive me, but as graphic and horrific as what happened was when the Babylonians came, it's nothing compared to what it's going to be like when the tribulation comes. And we know that. That's what's coming. And we're out and about. You know, this was such a game changer for me. It changed. This was the Lord, and I'm so thankful. My only regret is that it wasn't sooner in my walk with the Lord, but This changed my life forever, and I've never looked back. The Lord began this work in my heart to where I would see people as either lost or saved, and nothing else. Not liberal or conservative, not Republican or Democrat, not left or right. No, they're either lost or they're saved and it changes the whole complexion of everything. I cannot look at people the same way again. When I do go out and about, which is very often, and that's not hyperbole, literally I don't get out very much. But when I do, and I see people, and they're walking around, and I'm in Kailua town, and I'm seeing people walk around, and I just think to myself, they have no idea if they don't know Jesus, they have no idea what's coming. And I just pray for their salvation. And I pray, actually very specifically, I pray, Lord, send someone into their life that can speak into their life, that can bring them to you so that they can be saved. You know, it's really hard to get angry at someone when you see them like that, right? Because when you weep for them, you cannot be angry at them. It's one or the other. <laughs> I'll tell you that when I say it's changed my life, God's changed my heart in this regard, I really mean that. Because for so long I would get so angry. And, and then when I realize, wait a minute, that person that I'm angry at, is lost and needs Jesus. And I went from being angry at them to feeling sorry for them and even weeping for them in my heart. And I started praying for them. And this is why it is, by the way, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, and we'll close with this. Jesus said, pray for your enemies, those who despitefully use you and speak evil against you. Well, I'll pray for them, all right. God, get them. In Jesus' name. Yeah, I'll pray for my enemies. No, 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 no. Pray for their salvation. Pray God's blessing on them. And watch your heart change toward them. On the authority of God's word, they will not be your enemy very much longer. (laughs) they'll go from being an enemy to being an opportunity. Because now you've got something invested. You're praying for them. And you want them to get saved. And there's a love, and it's from within, and the Holy Spirit indwelling you, and it changes you from the inside out. That's why we're to pray for our enemies. You can start out, oh, it might be rough at first, you know. God, bleh, bleh bless him. no worry though just you know but boy after a while you just I mean God just softens your heart towards those people and it's the heart of God by the way Jeremiah the weeping prophet we are like Christ Christ like when we have a heart for people like Jeremiah
0: did. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Jeremiah is one of those books that's not the easiest to walk through in the Old Testament. It's almost like you see the train wreck that's up ahead and you want to warn them, but they just don't listen. Then you have other verses in this book that are commonly claimed, but what does it really mean in the context of what's going on? Jeremiah 29.11 says, "...for I know the thoughts that I think toward you," says the Lord, "...thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope." But if you're looking at the train wreck up ahead, you wonder, "...how does claiming that verse fit with exile and judgment?" Ultimately, God's plan and purpose are to bring people back to himself, in reliance and dependence on him, not in their own possessions or their comfort. The same could be said for you today. You may be going through something that seems like judgment or exile, but are you drawing closer to the Lord in the process? There's a future and a hope, but it may play out differently than you'd like. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Jeremiah, go to com to find these messages. There are a variety of additional resources on our website. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and then come back for our next edition where Pastor J.D. will continue on in the book of Jeremiah. We look forward to that time with you here on In Spirit and Truth.